And Ella, Ella is actually in South Australia, which I think is really cool. I got really confused enough when she was in WA and I was monitoring three hours and oh my goodness. But luckily Ella's brain has switched on and she's in South Australia. Ella, will you tell us a little bit about where you're living, who's in your family and what you do? Yeah. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. Um, so I'm Ella, I'm 34 years old soon, and I live in Port Lincoln with my husband, my stepson, who is 11, and my two, well, my twin girls. Um, I'm, I'm a nurse and studying to be a midwife, and yeah, that, and I went through a gruelling IVF journey, but yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, Ella came across my radar because she... Um, is an amazing advocate for um, IVF in rural and regional cities um, in Australia. And I think you've done some really great work in that space, just even just sharing your story. So I really wanted Ella to come and us have a bit of a discussion about, you know, what does the space look like? There'll be lots of people that can learn from what you've, um, what you've lived, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So take me to the point where you decide, okay, you know, it's time to have a baby. Yeah, so my partner and I had been together for a few years. You reached that stage where you're like, yeah, let's have a baby. Um, mentioned before I have a stepson and he probably at the time was eight years old or something. So we didn't want that age gap to get too big. Um, wanted to give him a little sibling. So, yeah, you just start the process of trying. You think it's going to happen like as soon as you come off the pill or whatever. Um, but months just went by. Nothing was happening. Um, so I booked a GP appointment and she was amazing. Um, and like I said, cause I live, um, in Port Lincoln, seven hours away from Adelaide. So she just put in a referral, um, for a fertility specialist. And she's like, look, by the time they come to Port Lincoln, you'll probably be pregnant, but let's just get the ball rolling. But so yeah, was well, that weight like in, um, like from referral to, um, being able to get an appointment? Yeah, I think it was like a few months because I even think I forgot about the appointment. And yeah, I think it was like, yeah, you're just like, yeah, I'll be pregnant by the time that appointment rolls around. Like it was a while. Yeah, right. Um, so your GP's even saying this service that exists, You could you get an appointment quicker with the clinic if you drove yeah. to Adelaide? Yeah, so um, yeah, you can get in like the next day or maybe the next week if you were went straight to Adelaide, which I know a lot of couples do, but... I guess I was still in that line saying, I was like, no, nah, I will get pregnant. Um, so I wasn't really in a rush in a sense at that stage. Okay. Yeah. How long had you been yeah. trying when you did that GP referral? I think we were six months in. Um, yeah, just for a bit of context, I had had a previous spinal cord injury. So okay. I think she also, um, yeah, I think she also just put it in maybe at the six month mark because she was like, just make sure that it's nothing to do with your back. But, um, yeah, I think at the 12-month mark, we ended up seeing the fertility specialist. Okay, so six months of trying, six months of waiting for an <laughs> Yeah, And then so you hit that kind of, that's kind of the magical moment, isn't it, that 12-month that 12, 12 mark where they're like, okay, well, we'll start to do some investigations. Yeah, yeah. So what did that yeah. look like? Yeah, so I just, I got the ultrasounds done. I got the blood test, all the blood tests done, um, ovulation stuff. Um, and then my partner got his sperm tested. And um, 
yeah, all those tests kept coming back normal, although my partner did have like a bit of a low sperm count. But um, yeah, everything was like looking perfect, like no problems for us at that stage. Okay, so then that's when they give you the news or oh, you're definitely going to get pregnant because I've received that information too in those appointments. Look, everything yeah. looks pretty good. Um, yeah. You know, you'll definitely get pregnant with these. I guess they talk in stats and numbers. You know, these stats, are the, these are good. Yeah, definitely. We did hear a lot of those comments thrown around. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Um, where, how do you get to the point where you're doing IVF? And were you having to travel down to Adelaide to do your tests or could you do them in Port Lincoln? So at this stage, everything was in Port Lincoln and then we finally got that appointment with the fertility specialist and, um, yeah, then he was saying things, saying, yeah, you guys look good on paper. So he started us on the ovulation induction um, and that's a maximum of six months you can take that tablet. Um, okay. Um, yeah, we we did that and no luck, six-month mark here. We went and saw him again um, and then... He gave us options and he was like, look, there's lots of steps before you can do IVF. Um, there's that, um, what's it called, IUI, where you oh. can, when you're obvious. Yeah. And you took um, like a higher level of the IVF drugs or like the oral con- oral drugs that you've been taking, but then they inject you and then there's a high risk of twins with that, isn't there? Like- yeah, I, I think so. Um, I think it's when you're ovulating and then, you go to the, see the fertility specialist and they it's kind of like a pap smear and they put a catheter up there and they put your partner's sperm in there so it's like closer to reaching the egg. Yeah, my fertility yeah. specialist told me that she was going to, and this is a direct quote, spin the shit out of them and they will be hot shit. <laughs> with what she said. <laughs> oh, no. yeah. I was like, oh, okay, well, right. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Yeah, it does. Um, but that's, I guess, where Living So Remote came in because my partner is a plumber. He owns his own business. I'm a nurse, but I was also studying midwifery, so I was on placement and things like that. And we just didn't have the flexibility to um, drop everything and travel to Adelaide last minute because I think it goes off your ovulation. It does. Um, yeah. And so we were like, look, we can't do that, even though that was the more affordable option um, or the steps in between before IVF we just couldn't do because we live so far away so then he was like all right well let's start um IVF because I guess it's a more practical controlled in kind of know when you need to go to Adelaide and things like that so um we went for that option even though it was more expensive yeah so take me to your first round of IVF what were what were you thinking yeah I was really excited because still at that stage we were like being told that nothing was looking wrong um there was good chances for us even though they did also say you know the first round doesn't work for everyone but you kind of just get in your head like nah we'll be that couple we just need someone to put the sperm and egg together and we'll be on yep and yeah so I'm really excited especially I found I don't know about you Jen but I found that stage before infertility like fertility treatment the hardest because you just don't know what's going on. I'm not and an every easy month. waiter. I don't wait yeah. very well. And same. And I think those months before we've like, with IVF you kind of feel a bit in control, like you're making steps, it feels like progress. But before that stage I feel like I did really struggle because you just don't know what's going on and you're just like, why is it not happening? But, um, well, yeah, so I was really excited to start our first round and go to Adelaide and, um, yeah, but then 
that's when like the disappointment kind of hit more after that first round, realizing that there was more things wrong and more things going on. So you had to go to Adelaide for egg collection, is that? And then would you go back to Port Lincoln and then wait it out? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, so I would go, like, you could get your scans done in Lincoln. I would get a couple in Lincoln and then I'd go to Adelaide to get that, like, last scan kind of done just because they kind of tell you, like, within, is it 24 hours or something after that follicle scan, they're like, yeah, we'll book you in, like, quite quick. No, it just depends where the follicles are at. Like, you might have to have a scan, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I would kind of plan to have that scan in in Adelaide and then it normally kind of happened quite quickly after that. Then you go into the egg collection. And the fertility specialist was like, you can go home and come back for the embryo transfer. But it, it was like a five-day turnaround and I was kind of like, what's the point going home, going back to work, getting time off again and going back to Adelaide? So I would just stay Um until the embryo transfer was done and then I'd come home. So it was about a like two week wait, like or two week time like time off work in Adelaide. And do you have people in Adelaide? Like how are you navigating that? Yeah, so I'm like originally from Victor Harbour, which is south of um, Adelaide. So my mum and dad live down there and then I have friends scattered around Adelaide. So I did like have people I could stay with and stuff, but um yeah, it's too hard, like... Yeah, because you don't have your own space and you, you know, yeah. you're not always getting the best news, so trying to navigate that in somebody else's space. No, exactly. Easy. Yeah, and everyone else has got, like, their lives and their work and family, like, things going on, so it's not easy to, like, be in someone else's space going through quite a um, vulnerable and stressful time. Tell me what it was like to be a midwifery student when you are going through IVF. Yeah, I... Funnily enough, I don't know if I just was really good at compartmentalizing it, but I still really enjoyed studying midwifery and being in birth with women and supporting them. And I kind of felt like it gave me more empathy and compassion because I realized how special it really is to have a baby. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So those two never really crossed over. Like I never really found myself finding it too hard to, show up in my midwifery degree I was actually really enjoyed and I actually found I brought in a bit of my fertility journey into like my care and stuff so yeah I think I was happy that I guess in a way that kind of women out of Port Lincoln who have been blessed to have you at their birth (laughs) yeah I was I like really enjoyed studying it and I yeah still do and I can't wait to finish it and stuff so yeah, well, we need them because there's a massive midwife sh- shortage. We need lots of talented nurses and midwives. Um, yes, definitely. So take me to that first round. So you st- you, your IVF drugs turn up in Port Lincoln and you, you start your rounds and you're having your scans and you head off to Adelaide. What happens yeah. on your end collection? Yep, so I wake up, I check my hand because back then I was still writing on your hand and I think I only had six eggs and I straight away I was disappointed. I was like, thought I would have 16 eggs. And then, um, but then like you kind of build up hope again. You're like, you know, that six eggs still good. Like they'll all go in the freezer, not really realizing that like not all of them make it. Um, and then we get the call up that we only had one embryo that made it. Okay. Yeah. So we went for the embryo transfer. So and fresh then, transfers? Yeah, fresh yep. transfers. 
And then are you uh, navigating this without your husband there, or is he is he coming and going? Or he was there. I'm pretty sure he was there right up into probably to the embryo transfer. I reckon he had to go back for work. So yeah, I think I was on my own for the last bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was hard. Yeah, I imagine it would be really hard. Yeah. So you and I think um oh sorry no, I also remembered because of COVID he couldn't come in to a lot of the appointments too so that was really shit as well yeah what was the go with IVF and COVID in South Australia during that period was it a bit like everywhere else where it was considered an elective and it was shut down um yeah no I think we're actually really lucky in SA it didn't get shut down so we could go ahead we just always had to do heaps of rat testing and and then my partner just couldn't come in to hardly any of the appointments um which was probably the hard bit yeah navigating that up by yourself I think yeah is like when you've traveled and you I used to think up all the questions I was going to ask while I was driving down to Sydney and then I'd get there and blank like full same, blank same deadpan got nothing yeah and that like that's like when the appointment he could be in there it would be so good because we'd both walk out and I'd be like that's terrible news and he'd be like no this is and like he would listen to the positive, but I would just hear one word and I will shut down. So you just really need you that support person. person. Absolutely. Yeah. You do a fresh transfer for your first go round of IVF? Yeah. yeah. So fresh transfer and then the two-week wait to find out if it's, um, anything, yeah, anything happened. And then I got my period and, yeah, nothing happened. Okay. So first round, yeah. not, not so great. And you didn't? You you weren't able to put anything in the freezer either, so you're looking down the barrel of another whole round of IVF. Yeah, yeah. So that was the bit that hit really hard because didn't have anything in the freezer. Just went through that whole round, and then we're like, we have to go back and we have to do that all again. Because that's the expensive part too. That I think, like IVF is expensive, whether you you're doing a transfer, or you're doing a whole egg collection, retrieval, whatever you want to call it. But yeah. that's the part that's the killer when you when you break down the costs of the IVF is the actual egg collection. Yeah, that and then like you have to pay hospital fees on top of that as well, and yeah, it all adds up. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. so round two, what do we? Uh, did you change anything going into round two? Or I think he upped the gonal F because I didn't really have much of a. Um, follicular response like I didn't get that many follicles yeah so um he upped the gonal f I think that was the only change went in again real hopeful real excited and then only got five eggs this time um and then this was the our worst round they were really poor quality and none made it to an embryo so no transfer oh you must have been absolutely shattered absolutely shattered and then I remember like, you just don't get answers. And I remember ringing up the clinic a few times and just being like, can I please speak to someone about what went wrong? And then they let me speak to an embryologist, but because they can't really do much testing on the embryos because of ethical or legal reasons, they just couldn't really tell me what went wrong. So you're kind of just left, yeah, feeling confused, feeling like your body's failing you, just, yeah, so much heartbreak. But I think when you're going down this road, you, you'll cling to anything that you think you can control or bring yeah. back a bit of control, like food, what you're drinking, any oh, wives' sure. tales, acupuncture. Definitely, um, yeah. 
And so I think I think as women, we're just seeking something that we can do to try and make it better. Uh, yeah, and I definitely did all that. The, I went and saw a naturopath and totally changed my diet. I got acupuncture. Like, did definitely the, the pills. Yeah, um, didn't drink coffee, like all the worst. I was like, just changed my whole lifestyle completely, which adds an extra stress as well. I know, because you're always thinking about it. Always, always. It's like a full-time job. So we've done two rounds of IVF. We don't have anything to transfer back. How far down the track are we now? Um, I reckon like four months in maybe. Okay. Um, yeah, went and saw him, our fertility specialist again in Port Lincoln, and he was really great because he, like, I don't know about other fertility specialists, but I don't know, they just keep pumping him around, but he was like, look, something else is going on. I want to investigate more. Um, so I want to do the keyhole surgery and look in your pelvic region and just make sure nothing's going on in there. He sounds um, awesome because I know a lot of women really struggle to get somebody to do further testing and looking around yeah. and looking for more answers, particularly yeah. around endo. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, he was amazing and I'm so thankful that he was like that because I think I would have just been like another round, another round, keep going. But, no, nah, he was like, let's pause and have a good look. And so glad he did because I ended up finding out that I had endometriosis or have endometriosis and then that it was really quite extensive, which is was such a shock for us because I have no symptoms really. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So you find out you have endo, you have the, um, they, they kind of, I guess it's like a clear out, um, do they? Yeah, like um, a DNC, I don't know they call it, but yeah, they scrape all the um, lining out and take all the endometriosis out and yeah, give it a good clean out. Okay, so then you go into another round of IVF? Then, yeah, once you've got to recover from that surgery and then... Um, once you feel better from that, you start another round, but that um, round's completely different. So because once it's endometriosis, apparently estrogen feeds endometriosis, so half the hormonal drugs I couldn't take. So then I had to go into like a um, be put into a menopause in, the, in a sense and take different drugs that would shut down those um, hormones so it wouldn't feed the endometriosis. So that was definitely a different experience did you find that really hard mentally like I I found anything that played with the hormones really made me a crazy person yeah looking back now I think it definitely did at the time I was like oh I still thought I was like going all right and the same person but I definitely think it played a lot yeah hormones yeah definitely I was diagnosing myself with all types so okay so you've had your surgery you're taking more drugs so we're going into round three how does that go I mean you must be exhausted by this stage because I guess you went back to Adelaide to have your DNC for the endo yeah went back to Adelaide to have the surgery more time off work and I think they say two-week recovery but he was like after three days you'll feel fine but I yeah, I don't know if it was a bit of burnout and stuff, but it really hit me hard and I didn't really recover quickly. Um, and then, yeah, we finally went back to the third round, was very anxious and not maybe as excited as the other rounds, but 
still hopeful, like now this endo's gone, like surely we're going to see better results. Yeah. Um, I only got seven eggs, um, but he did say that time the eggs were good quality um, okay. and that I think we made four embryos, but then once again, only one embryo made it for transfer. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, none for the freezer if that round didn't work, which, again, it didn't um, didn't stick. So what are you thinking at this stage? So, yeah, my partner and I were completely devastated. Um, I think at this point it's been a year, so it was like August, and, um, yeah, we just couldn't take it anymore. So we were like, nah, let's just take a break because I just couldn't fathom doing another round starting from scratch felt like he just threw everything at it like found out those endo got rid of the endo did like different drugs and still like ovaries just weren't producing enough eggs and um yeah alone like when you think about it you say eight hours and people just flog it off but you're gonna work for eight hours so you have two full days of work like driving to get to your appointments before you do anything And we would drive most of the time because flights are so expensive. Um, yeah, they are like $200 one way, sometimes more if you book them at a certain point. So we and would they just drive. you hurry up with the right times that you need to be there and then you've got to navigate getting to your clinic when you get there. They're a nightmare. I, yeah, I know myself. Exactly. I never fly. I never fly when I No, and then that was also like kind of COVID time. So they would get cancelled a lot. So we just would drive for the like security of getting there on time <laughs> absolutely so round yeah where you're coming out and you're like stuff this yeah we're like no no more like this is devastating we'll just take a break um maybe yeah i don't even know if we like we'll like maybe try again next year but we weren't even really that hopeful like maybe we're just not meant to have kids like um yeah we're very down about it um so we decided to take a break and, yeah. Well, so that I was think, the end of the year, was it, towards the end of the year? Um, August. So, yeah, I think we started January and then this point it was August, the so end of a, August. That's a tricky time of year also to be sitting with those feelings, maybe this is not going to happen to us leading into Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And, like, our fertility this was never kind of mentioned a donor or things like that, but like a few like people you're talking to in the fertility trenches and that kind of mentioned it like just how we were going with IVF and weren't that successful and I was kind of thinking like maybe that might be the path that was yeah like it was quite devastating like the options we were having to think about to maybe have kids so how do you even start those conversations with your partner about donor eggs yeah, I think I was definitely not in the headspace, but I did say that I remember saying to Sam, like, we might have to do that, but I don't want to do that. And then he, yeah, he was like, yeah, I can't really. And it's um, hard to because yeah. he already has, like, I know, you know, he has a child with somebody else. Like, you know, you're, you're, you have a stepson and I'm sure he's like yeah. a son, but then you, I just can't imagine the headspace to have those discussions, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I totally understand what you're meaning. Like, I did think that too. Like, you know, I love being a stepmom and we have the best relationship, but I was like, it kind of would be like being a stepmom again. Like, it wouldn't really be my biological child. So it was a lot to think about. A lot to process. Um, and yeah. we, um, so you're, you've you done 
four rounds now? We've done four rounds. Um, three rounds and a surgery. Three rounds and a surgery. And so yeah. what, what? how do you come back to it? Like what was your game plan? Um, yeah, so that's when we were like I was saying, um, like completely heartbroken, devastated, starting to maybe think about other options but not really being able to process it. So we just, yeah, decided to just take a break and, um, yeah, we would come up with a bit of plan after having some time off. Yeah. So, do you ha- what happens after you have some time off? Um. So, yeah, we did like touch base again with the fertility specialist, and he was like, even said like, look, this might be a really long and hard road, and even though you only ever get one embryo, like one is all you need, and or even maybe like something um, double tra- double embryo transfers, but then. Yeah, we told him that we wanted to take a break, that it was a lot, and he totally like respected that and said, take all the time you need. Um, and then, yeah, I guess it was kind of like a weight off our shoulders to just not have to think about IVF every minute and every second of every day and time off work and travel. And it just really impacted like our relationships with friends and stuff because I guess you become quite withdrawn because you're so busy um, being just, away with IVF and things like that. Even just marry, managing as a step-parent, I imagine co-parenting and, and the movements of a of a child as well would have been really difficult. Yeah, definitely. Like especially when you'd have come back from Adelaide with a failed round and you're so heartbroken and then you kind of um, have to be on like parenting and you're not in the right headspace. But yeah, looking back, like I feel like we did a really good job and I strangely IVF brought my partner and I like really closer like it really strengthened our relationship so I guess that was a good thing that came out of it I guess you fall into two camps there I've heard you know and that it can destroy or otherwise strengthen you and make you stronger and you you know you really find the team in your relationship I guess yeah yeah and we definitely did that and we lent on each other and you know if I was having a hard time co-parenting or anything like that like my partner would just take over and yeah it was we were a really good team so yeah. so then how do we get because you have twins yeah yes so how do we yes. get to the twins so yeah I don't even know how we got there <laughs> but um yeah we took a break and then I used to hate because I'd always hear these stories like once you stop thinking about it or you take a break like it will happen but oh, no, and you want to slap those people stupid oh yeah you're like you don't understand like this is not one of those it's not a mind thing but um yeah well we were that cl- cliche story we took a break on the exception then... not the rule <laughs> and um yeah I just my period was late and I was like, I tried to ban myself from taking a pregnancy test because I would take so many. Um, but so I, I was saying to somebody else, someone's a marketing genius because those tests that they sell in the seven, you get seven or whatever it is, and you yeah. can test from seven days out from your period. I was like, whoever did that is a marketing genius because I would they always are. buy that $42 pack, not the $20 one. Oh. Same, I would buy the expensive one and the digital ones because I'd always like trick my mind that there was two lines. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I was like, nah, I'm not doing a test. And then I was like, nah, my period's probably late because of all the hormones and the surgery, like it's throwing my cycle out of whack. But yeah, Dave went by and then I was like, oh, I'm just going to do it. And 
yeah, they, it came up positive, but I think my body was just in shock to really accept it at the start. I bet your mind was too, because you would have read so many of those negative pregnancy tests that you would have yes. added that digital one to be like, yep, confirmed. <laughs> Definitely. I was sending pictures to my friends like, is this positive? <laughs> like, I just couldn't believe it. And how did you settle into that pregnancy? Because I know that was when my anxiety hit. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I was in denial for like a long time and really scared the first trimester, like did not really want to get too excited because I was scared like we would lose it or something would go wrong because, um, yeah, everything we've been through. I was like, how have I got, how am I pregnant with twins? Yeah, um, when did you find out you were pregnant with twins and what kind of twins did you have? Because obviously twin pregnancy presents its own risks as well. Yeah, definitely. So I think, yeah, when I found out, I did ring the fertility clinic and then they did all the testing and organised the scans. Like, they were amazing. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and then I, seven weeks, we found out it was twins at the dating scan. Well, that would have been um, a fun dating scan. Yeah, <laughs> and... Um, I had the worst, worst morning sickness, like throwing up all day, every day, could not eat anything. And my partner was like, it's twins. Like before we went for the scan, he was, he was like, nah, I reckon there's twins in there. I was like, no way. I'm lucky if I even make like one embryo, like how would I get twins? But yeah, it was twins and they were DCDA, so fraternal, like had their own sack and own placenta. So uh, I think that means two sperm. Yep. Um, two wings, two yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 So that so, makes it a little bit easier. Not identical twins. Yeah. Although they look very like similar when they came out. I was like, oh my gosh. They're, yeah. They look yeah. identical, but they're not. <laughs> my on my mum has identical twin sisters and my dad has identical twin sisters. And my whole entire childhood was my brother saying, which twin is that? He never could tell them apart. Uh, so I'm pretty good telling identical twins apart because I've lived it. Uh, so, so you find out you're having twins and does that then kind of limit your options? Like um, what what options are yeah. there down at Port Lincoln? For- yeah. So again, um, Port Lincoln is a low-risk um, birthing hospital. So yeah, we turned into a high-risk pregnancy, so we had to um, birth in Adelaide. Um, so, so there's yeah, no lots other of travel again between Adelaide and Port Lincoln. No, no, I think Wyala used to do twins, which is uh, three hours away, but okay. not anymore. Yeah, because I know it's all in Adelaide. I don't know about you, but when I found out I was pregnant, I just immersed myself in birth stories, and I just loved listening to them. But I was never more infuriated when I heard people talk about these MGP programs because yes. they are they super competitive in the city. They don't exist in the country. Shared no. care or like continuity of care would exist between maybe your GP or if you went yeah. private and had an obstetrician. Yeah, so we did shared care and went to the public hospital. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I I used to love listening to Australian birth stories, um, weirdly, before I was pregnant. Um, but then when I was pregnant, I just couldn't read or um, listen to birth things. I'm not sure why. I don't know if that was another, like, protective mechanism. But Definitely sounds like yeah. a protective factor there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Sophie's podcast. I think she does amazing work. I've listened to her since she first put their first episode out and I, I was very similar. I listened to them um, 
before I was even pregnant. I just always found it really interesting. I think it's not something previously that we've talked a lot in society. I think it was always shrouded in secrecy. So I think someone just putting it out there and naming it was really awesome and interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, But yeah, I, I know from a rural perspective, a lot of the opportunities or things that you can access in cities just don't exist. Like, like it's just not, it's just a pipe dream. Yeah. So yeah, we were definitely disappointed that we couldn't stay home again and had to go back to Adelaide. Um, but I did get lots of appointments with my midwife and obstetrician in Port Lincoln, um, which was really good. And then when it was time, yeah. And then when it was time, we traveled to Adelaide, which I think we went at 33 weeks. Was there a lot of control around your birth because you're carrying twins and you have to, a, an extensive amount of travel? Was there a lot of planning around that? Like, were they saying you have yeah. to be juiced or it's going to be a planned Caesar or? Yeah. Um, yeah, for a high-risk pregnancy, I was actually really low-risk. Like, I cruised through, like, other than the really bad morning sickness, like, no other issues, really felt happy, comfortable, um, and I wanted to go, yeah, like, looking back, I wanted, I wish I went as for as long as possible because um, I really wanted a vaginal birth, but Billy Twin A um, was breached, so they wouldn't um, let me try vaginally because yeah. they let you try when I had the head down, um, but she went breach in the last trimester. <laughs> Billy didn't get the memo, did she? No, Billy didn't, but Tallulah had her head down, was waiting patiently. Um, but it ended up being an elective C-section because I got to 37 plus six weeks and nothing had happened. Um, so they just booked, yeah, they booked me in. So it was, yeah, a bit of a bummer. I never got to experience labour or anything like that. Just rocked up to the hospital that day and the girls came out but after everything we'd been through as well we were just so so happy to just have them in our arms and safe I've been and- through that medicalized model really anyway have like with the high intervention with IVF so going in yeah. probably felt really quite in control nearly in the end yeah definitely and I look back yeah look back and like we didn't have to spend any time in NICU or special care nursery and I um yeah we're three days in the postnatal ward, then we come home and the girls have been really healthy and been able to breastfeed. So, did yeah, been grateful home? for that. Did you come home to Port Lincoln or did you kind of go back to your parents or how did that Yeah, work? so we um, went back to my parents just um, to be safe because, as we've talked about, Port Lincoln doesn't have as many resources. Um, so I went back to my parents, like, down near Victor Harbour, which is maybe an hour away from Adelaide, mm-hmm. um, and... The midwife came and visited me there, and that was beautiful. And lucky we did stay because Billy actually did end up getting quite bad jaundice, and we had to go back into hospital for um, phototherapy. So I was glad, yeah, I was glad that we did hang around for that little bit. Yeah, because it would not have been fun if you had to come back. Um, no. If there was a rural woman out there listening to this, um, and I mean, Port Lincoln's quite regional, but if there's a regional rural woman living out there who's listening to this, and you could give her any advice, what would be like, what would be the ducks, you know, to say get in a row to like, if you were going to base down this travel and IVF route? Yeah, I guess I would say like, don't hesitate. Like, like if you have any inkling instincts or things that like taking a bit longer, like go see that GP and if they brush you off or don't listen, go find another GP, like just keep going back and get the ball rolling because unfortunately, 
living out in the country, we do have yeah. wait times which impact our the care we receive and there's gaps. And so I would just say, even if you do fall pregnant or whatever it is that you need to achieve with your fertility journey, like if the good comes out of it while you're waiting, like that's the best case scenario. So there's no harm getting that ball rolling early, even if nothing is wrong in the end, in a sense. Like, yeah, you can always cancel. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You can always cancel that appointment. You can always cancel that scan or test. But I just think, because I ended up finding out I had endometriosis and all up it took three and a half years and to get our girls. And not that I would change any of it now, but looking back, there were probably things we could have done that would have sped up the process in a way, I guess. Yeah. Ella, thank you so yeah. much, not only for sharing your story today, but also for everything that you're doing and putting yourself out there to try and change what the landscape looks like for IVF patients in rural areas. I think it's amazing work and I think, you know, it's it's a highly vulnerable space, particularly when you're sharing something so personal. So I personally want to thank you. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for having me on the podcast. It's amazing to like share my story and I hope it does reach other women and um, help them through the journey because it's definitely very isolating and lonely and I think it's amazing what you're doing like letting women have a voice and share their stories because yeah women still kind of are like brushed off with a lot of um of the fertility issues and stuff so it's just great to be able to share it thank you Her herd recognises the traditional lands and waters on which this podcast was recorded.